Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hey, tomorrow, March 31st at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, we are doing a very special live webinar all about lung inflammation and fibrosis and utilizing laser for that condition as well as using laser therapy to reinforce the immune system. You don't want to miss this. Again, this is tomorrow, March 31st, 1 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time live webinar you can find the link in the show notes you can find it on our facebook as well i encourage you to join us for that we are going to talk today on a regularly scheduled podcast all about bell's palsy welcome back to the laser therapy institute weekly podcast i'm your host dr jason roundtree today we're talking about bell's palsy and we're going to be referencing a study titled efficacy of high and low level laser therapy in the treatment of bell's palsy a randomized double-blind, placebo-controlled trial, which is exactly what we like to see. This was published in Lasers in Medical Science in 2014, and I'm pretty excited about this one because this is one of those disorders that not only has a physical effect, but has a pretty significant psychological and emotional effect on the patients that suffer with it. So when you're able to address a condition like this, not only are you helping the patient's health, but you're helping their mental health as well. And if you, if you can do that, that's a very, very good thing for a patient. We uh, also have a new mic today that we're recording with, so hopefully you'll be able to enjoy the little bit clearer sound. And um, we'll dive right in here. So to talk about Bell's palsy first, before we get into the study, um, if you're not really familiar with this disorder, it's, it's a fairly rare unilateral paralysis of the face, cranial nerve 7, uh, is a non-traumatic event, uh, often idiopathic, but we think we have some triggers as far as viral infections and, and uh, inflammatory disorders uh, that play a role here. Uh, many times patients will initially believe that they've suffered a stroke, um, so a lot of times the first place to get checked out is the ER, and this is a diagnosis of exclusion, right? So you're going you're gonna to not have any signs of stroke, um, and a couple things to really look for here is the absence of forehead wrinkles when you take the patient through uh, an, uh, expression testing. Uh, you won't see forehead wrinkles if they have Bell's palsy, whereas most cases with stroke, you'll still see the, the forehead be able to wrinkle up. Uh, also, Bell's palsy really doesn't present with any weakness or paralysis of the limbs. It, it can in very rare cases, but in most in most situations, you're just going to see that facial effect. Typically, no pain either, though there are some patients that do experience headache, some numbness, some tingling. The most classic, though, is the expression abnormalities, right? So, um, uh, smiling, laughing, things like that. You'll see a really significant uh, corner of the mouth drooping. Uh, patients will typically have some difficulty eating and drinking, maybe even some drooling. A lot of times you'll see this with the inability to close the eye on that affected side, which can lead to eye dryness and some some pretty significant problems there. So you want to definitely look at health of the eye when you're dealing with one of these patients. Keeping that eye moist is going to be really important to prevent infection um, and make sure the patient can maintain eyesight. Now, most of the time, the, the common treatment here is just to wait and watch and, and see if it recovers on its own. 
Um, in, in some cases, if you think the patient's going through a lot of inflammatory issues, uh, corticosteroids can be prescribed. An oral, oral prednisone dose can be prescribed to try and minimize the irritation along the nerve. Um, PT is a good one too here. A little bit of E-STEM, even though there's not much evidence behind it. E-STEM sometimes does seem to help people. Uh, and definitely massage and facial exercises are a good thing to get the patients going with right away to try and speed the recovery um, that hopefully will naturally happen. However, there's a big emphasis in today's recommendations to just wait for this to get better. Uh, and so I'm going to take you straight to the end of this study that we talked about it right at the top because I want to read you what the researcher said about waiting for this to recover. They say approximately 31% of Bell's palsy patients who do receive appropriate treatment may still suffer from incomplete recovery with residual facial muscle weakness, which could also include synkinesis, hyperkinesis, and or contracture. So the course of Bell's palsy is often unpredictable, and they say spontaneous recovery should not be expected. And I think right now, that's how we handle most of these cases. We like to work with percentages and say, oh, well, most people are going to recover. Yes. Yes, a lot of people will. But there's a sizable minority here that we should not, ex that we're not going to see full recovery. And so to just expect full recovery on these, on these patients, these researchers saying we really shouldn't be doing that. Now, that section who does not recover spontaneously with traditional therapies will retain a notable consequence of their paralysis, meaning, meaning a very obvious portion of that paralysis can remain. They go on to say, this may have been preventable if the patients had received complementary treatment with laser within 15 days of the diagnosis. Therefore, the laser represents an excellent physical complementary therapy that allows recovery from facial paralysis, diminishes the possibility of side effects due to corticosteroids, and reduces the consequent results of the paralysis, which can only be treated with traditional therapy. Importantly, this treatment modality can be administered to patients who cannot tolerate corticosteroids and thus allows for recovery in a noticeable manner. So, to recap that statement right there, they're saying, look, you, you shouldn't just wait for this to recover. You should get people into laser therapy within those first two weeks to minimize the chance of them having the ongoing chronic effects. That's a pretty strong statement from a study. We don't typically see recommendations that are quite that powerful. But in this case, the researchers are saying, look, you know, laser is going to have some beneficial effects. Um, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll pull another quote for you. Um, that laser therapy is considered non-invasive and painless therapeutic modality and has a favorable prognosis in the regeneration of peripheral nerves. So you're not risking anything by getting that patient into laser therapy in those first couple weeks, and you're actually heading off a lot of the potential for that patient to end up with these sequelae, these, these ongoing effects after the disease has, quote, resolved. So... That's a pretty strong statement. I, I, want, I want you to hopefully understand that just waiting and watching is really not in the patient's best interest if you can get them into laser, especially if you can get them into laser pretty rapidly after the diagnosis. So let's talk about this particular study, how they ran it, and some of the results they got. 
Now, in this study, they chose to look at laser and Bell's palsy for a couple of reasons. And I'll again quote the study here. They say, laser therapy has a favorable prognosis in the regeneration of peripheral nerves, both in neurosensory and neuromotor deficits, such as trigeminal neuralgia, neuropathy, lower back pain with sciatica, and herpes zoster, which is, of course, shingles. Application of laser produces both local and systemic effects that can enhance the nerve regeneration process. Moreover, laser improves the recovery of the injured peripheral nerve. Laser increases the functional activity of the injured peripheral nerve, prevents or decreases degeneration or in corresponding motor neurons of the spinal cord, and improves the axonal growth and myelinization. So rather than just going straight to corticosteroids uh, and massage to hopefully help the body heal this, we're talking about directly stimulating the repair of the injured nerves so that the patient can recover motor activity that much faster. Now, the researchers here decided to go and look at how laser therapy performs in different intensities, different different methods of treatment. The dosages are actually the same. So what they did is they split 48 patients into three different groups. All groups got exercises. One group got low-level laser therapy and exercises, and another group got high-intensity laser therapy and exercises. All right, now in the high-intensity group and in the low-intensity group, what the researchers did was treated these patients three times a week for six weeks, total of 18 treatments. They treated eight different points on the symptomatic side of the face and the same points in both lasers. With the high-intensity group, they spent seven seconds on each point. With the low-level laser group, they had to spend two minutes and five seconds per point to get a total dose of 10 joules per centimeter squared, total dose of 80 joules overall for the side of the face. Very rapid treatment for the high-intensity group, much slower treatment for the low-intensity group, but still the dosages were the same. Now, the high-intensity laser was a 1,064 nanometer beam. The low-intensity laser was an 830 nanometer beam. So that's one significant difference here. Uh, also, the low-intensity laser was pulsed at 1,000 hertz, and the, and the high-intensity laser used between 10 and 40 hertz. So that, that's a couple differences there, but they tried to keep this pretty, pretty similar in terms of the doses that was done, the points that were done, so it would be a, a legitimate comparison. Now, here's what the results showed. All three groups did better, okay? The groups that did just exercises did improve, but the groups that had exercises plus the low-level laser improved faster and more completely. The group that got the high-intensity laser did better than all the other patients, including the low-level laser groups. So if you hear about class 3 versus class 4, low-level laser versus high-intensity laser, it is very possible to get excellent results with both lasers. And I think it's been said by a lot of people that any laser is better than no laser, right? However, in this particular case, you can do a much quicker treatment and you can get much better results with a high-intensity device used the right way. So that's, that's your takeaway number one, is that you can get great results with your high-intensity machines. You can get good results with the low-intensity devices too, but in this particular case, comparing the two, you're going to get a faster, better treatment out of the high-intensity lasers. And there's no concern there 
for tissue destruction or tissue damage or thermal heating. This is very, very brief, very, very quick. Patients didn't have any side effects, reported no negative side effects at all, and, and had great results. So that's, that's what I want you to know right off the bat is that any laser is good. High-intensity laser is better, at least when it comes to this particular trial and what they showed. Second takeaway is that I want to take you back to what I read to you first out of the study, and that is that there is a segment of Bell's palsy patients who do not spontaneously recover and will retain those notable consequences of their paralysis, as the researchers say, which may have been preventable if they had received treatment with laser within 15 days of diagnosis. Not waiting to see if it resolves, not waiting for months to say, okay, well, they got 80% back, that's pretty good. Just getting them into laser, right off the bat, as soon as you know it, because it's not going to have, it's not painful, it's not going to have any side effects, and it could minimize the potential for ongoing sequelae from, these partic from this particular paralysis. So, don't wait. Jump on it as soon as you can, within the first few days of diagnosis, even if you don't quite know what you're doing with your device, or you haven't treated this before, any laser is going to be better than no laser. I'll tell you, obviously, with this particular study, there are more effective, faster ways to do this, especially if you're using a high-intensity machine. You're going to probably do better than a low-intensity laser, but any laser is going to be better than none. Don't let the patient say, well, my doctor said that I'll probably get better on its own. Yeah, it probably will, but 70%, not quite even 70%, will get better on their own completely. There is going to be a sizable chunk of people that have ongoing side effects, and you just don't want people to have to deal with that. Get them into laser to minimize the chances of ongoing problems. If you have questions about that, if you need to know about treatment plans, if you need to know about equipment, if you want to find out what this is like to treat on a day-to-day -day basis, please get a hold of us. Send us an email. Contact us through our website, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. That's our email. Or you can contact us right through the website, which is, of course, lasertherapyinstitute.org. I hope this was helpful. I hope it gives you a little bit different perspective on Bell's palsy and how to address it, how to treat it. Um, and I will be seeing you next week with some more great research. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.